ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about running offensive and defensive strategies. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, my name is Michael Batiste. I'm from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Um, so tonight we're going to kind of go over kind of offensive, defensive style of elk calling, um, you know, passive versus aggressive. But first thing I kind of want to touch on, guys, with season coming this close, I've heard from a lot of guys that are like, man, I'm two weeks away. I need to ramp up my training and and really push hard these last two weeks. I caution you guys on that. This is the time that you should just be maintaining. You should have been pushing hard long before now. This is in the time to maintain. Reason I say that is I have two buddies that one two days ago tore a bicep. The other one tore his uh, meniscus in his knee. So now their hunts are completely up in the air. So just make sure you guys are just kind of maintaining what you already have. No need to really, really push. Um, you're not going to gain a whole lot if you push really, really hard um, over the next little bit. So just do enough to maintain, really make sure that you're shooting, getting your reps in with the bow. So uh, Nick, we're rolling with questions. Are there different elk barks? Um, you know, they all really sound kind of the same to me, Nick. It's really just kind of a, you know, nervous bark. I mean, I know there's some out there that say there's a nervous bark and a warning bark. Um, but primarily it's just a nervous bark. It's an elk basically saying I'm not comfortable with the situation and, you know, you need to present yourself. You need to show yourself to me. I don't think you're a, a, a live elk. Steven Weissman, welcome. Glad you finally made it to a live session. Uh, Vincent, welcome back, buddy. So, 
and Danny Cox. I'm watching Rob. So, okay. Um, for those of you on the Facebook page, you kind of saw an announcement today. A um, couple of partnerships here, here lately. I know we announced last week with the partnership with Carbon TV. Uh, the first episode actually was sent off last night. So now they're actually building the channel. And once I know uh, a date for that to go live, I will let you guys know that is chapter one of the new revamp beginner's guide to elk calling. Um, right now, I have about 10 videos that I have written down scheduled that are all going to be within that beginner's guide to elk calling. Um, you know, going to break down diaphragm selection, how to get started, air pressure, uh, how to bugle. We're going to cover open read cow calls, external read bugles. Um, we are going to cover air control, use of decoys. Um, you know, also with a couple of other partnerships that I have, I don't know if you guys know, I've been kind of partnered with Ready Nutrients for several months now, working with them. Donnie Howell and I talked yesterday. We're going to get on a session together where he and I, and we're just going to kind of talk about kind of some nutrition and supplements to kind of help you guys. And then also today I partnered up with I Hunt Fit with Matt and that crew. Um, Matt and I, same thing. We're going to kind of do another video to talk about, you know, training. And in fact, what do you guys think? One thing I'm thinking of with the I Hunt Fit with their program, what if I did one day a week where I just kind of posted a short little workout of theirs and said, hey, here's something to add to, you know, your workout regime to help you get ready. Would, would any of you guys be interested in seeing some of those training tips? Maybe we do it on a Tuesday night or Thursday night and just post that training tip. Any of you guys be interested in kind of adding kind of some of that to your repertoire to help you get better prepared for season? Um, Steven just bought the butthead decoy, getting excited. Steven, that butthead is a great decoy. Chad, first timer live. Uh, would you push draw weight or comfortable weight for increased reps? Comfortable weight. So, you know, here's the thing with training, guys, and this is something we're really going to talk about. So, when you are hunting, you don't want big muscles. Big muscles take up a lot of oxygen. They talk up, take up a lot of blood. So this is one thing that I really, really like about the iHunt Fit is they have a lot of movements that are body weight movements, okay? So what you're doing is you want strength and endurance in your muscles, okay? bulk and bulking up and getting size and mass and all that, that's just going to eat up a lot of blood flow and a lot of oxygen. You're going to get fatigued faster and you're not going to be able to go as far. So Chad, to answer your question, comfortable rate, comfortable weight, high reps. Um, but while you're doing it, get a circuit so that you, you basically have three or four exercises and you go from this exercise to that exercise, to that exercise, to that exercise. So you're basically working on muscle endurance, but you're also elevating the heart rate and you're getting cardio work in at the same time. So probably a dumb question, but would you ever use bugle while cow calling with open reeds or diaphragm to increase volume? Um, yes, I will use my grunt tube sometimes to call through to get more volume. Um, open read cow calls, they normally have enough volume that I don't have to run those through. Um, Stephen James, I feel like commenting just to interrupt because I'm a mean person. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Stephen. And look, it worked. I read it out loud. Appreciate that. Mountain Ops guys are screaming at their phones. 
now that you said big muscles are bad for hunting. <laughs> but really, if you look at the mountain house guys or, or mountain ops guys, if you watch their, their training, they're doing circuit training. So, and, and really for those of you guys that aren't, don't know the I hunt fit, I hunt fit is a combination of, um, you know, hit training along with, um, Oh God, it's escaping me right now. Um, Anyways, so I'll think of it. I'll come back to it. Sorry, guys. I, I, I had a brain fart. But it but it combines a couple of different um, forms of exercising. But the cool thing is, guys, it, it's 25 bucks. You get a four-week program. And no two workouts are the same. And you can have that workout tailored for either the gym or at home. So for some of you guys that are paying 35, 40, $45 a month for a gym membership, but because life is hectic and you can't make it to the gym, how, how much benefit is that for you? You know, versus paying $25 to get four weeks worth of workout there at the house, you're going to get a lot more out of it. So, um, doing 10 miles once a week with all my gear on my back. Pack training is awesome. Nice. Foothills of Colorado, not exactly the mountain terrain, but it's definitely helping any sort of time with the pack on. So Bernie, hello, how you doing? So CrossFit, that's what it is, guys. CrossFit and HIIT training, kind of kind of combining those two things. Okay. So, okay, we covered on that. So make sure in your training that you're just kind of maintaining what you already have, getting ready for season. All right. So tonight, guys, really what I want to talk about is you know, calling. So calling really is elk do have emotion within their calling. Just, just like we have different emotions when we're talking with all in our language, they have different emotions that give, you know, different meanings to the different sounds. So Mr. Jonathan, thanks for tuning in, bud. So, so what you need to do is you need to kind of understand those different emotions and what they mean. And, and this is one thing in the private lessons that we really talk about is the different meanings in these sounds. Um, because if you recognize these sounds, you recognize the situation, you recognize the emotion that's involved and you can tailor your response to that. Also, because of understanding those sounds, then you guys understand the difference between passive calls and aggressive calls. Most people, when they go out hunting, they do the same thing. Mr. Lewis Shelter, thanks for coming in. Alex, how you doing, bud? So, so they do the same thing. They do a few cow sounds, they do a bugle, and they do that same approach, but they don't know what they're saying. That's critical. Understanding what's being said to you and knowing what to say back. Because really, I entitled this one tonight, offensive versus defensive. Because here's the deal, that's what we're trying to do in our setups is we are trying to be the offense. We are trying to control that situation. So we're, we're, we're doing sounds, we're you know hearing responses that we're getting from the bull, and then we're tailoring our tailoring our responses based on his response to control that situation, to get that bull to a certain level that we want. We're trying to erase his aggression level. So 
the problem is with a lot of people is they wait too long to respond. Say, for example, they get a challenge bugle from a bull and that bull has finished that challenge bugle and there's a slight pause and then they respond back with a challenge bugle. Well, the problem is because of that pause, because of that gap, now that that bull is on offense, he's the one controlling the situation. You're not controlling it anymore. And as long as that bull is on offense, the chances of him coming into you are very, very slim, especially if you're working a herd bull with cows. It's not going to happen. He's just going to hold tight since he's on offense and expect you to come to him. Ah, uh, Jonathan Black's Creek Pack, you going to run one this year, boss? Actually, yes. It's right there. So, um, offensive, defensive. So, we always want to be on the offense. And that's what's kind of cool about the program that we teach at Elk Calling Academy and the lessons is, is we teach you how to recognize those sounds. And, and we teach you how you can always be on offense and you can control that situation. Um, you know, and, and biggest thing, it's understanding what you're hearing. And, and even though, yes, you are responding to a sound that he's making, but you're responding with a certain sound or a certain approach to control that situation, to paint a certain picture Practicing with Phelps external cow calls have helped me tremendously with my read cow sounds. Yeah, the Phelps Easy Estrus chat is 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 a great great open read cow call. In fact, some of my favorite open reads are um, the Phelps Easy Estrus, the Trophy Wife from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, the 208 Custom Calls, and then the Heritage Series from Native by Carlton. Um, all of those very user friendly, very easy to run, um, really, really good sounds. So, Stephen, is it true the lip ball on the end of bugle says, hey, cow, come to me? Uh, the lip ball actually has two different meanings, Stephen. It's basically telling cows, yes, come to me, but it's also telling other bulls, stay away. So, Lewis, first week of September in Idaho, how are you calling? So, okay. So, basically, um, Lewis, you, you know, during that, that first week in September, it's understanding what's going on with the bulls and what their mindset is and what they're looking for. Um, again, those are all things that we cover, but my approach during that first week is I'm going to spend the first little bit of light covering ground, trying to locate a bull that is in transition from feeding to bedding. And if I can get that bull to crack off, then I'm going to move in and I'm going to start working that bull with the routine that, that I know that I start with to start gathering information on what type of bull I'm dealing with. Cause that's the thing. That's the approach that we take. We move in, we start gathering information because if it's a satellite bull um, you know, maybe it's a little more mature bull that once had cows, but he just lost his cows. And now he acts like a, a uh, teenage girl and just hates the world. And I can say that because I have three teenage girls. I know exactly how they act. Uh, if you're dealing with a herd bull with cows, if you're dealing with a herd bull with cows with satellites. So um, 
you know, basically it's, I want to, I want to unlock that information. Now, as I'm moving and locating Lewis, I'm going to get to a certain point that now I'm going to set up and I'm going to do a cold calling routine, a blind calling routine. Um, you know, normally what we do is, is the breeding sequence. We really, really like the breeding sequence because that is what they are looking for. And the reason the breeding sequence is so effective is because there are sounds that are contained within that, that the bull vocalizations do that are only there during September. Okay. Cow sounds, cows will do their bugles or, or, or they'll, they'll do their cow vocalizations throughout the year. It doesn't matter. But bulls, on the other hand, only have certain vocalizations that they will do during September. And here's an example of some of those. So those, those are some examples of some bull vocalizations that are kind of tied in with the breeding sequence. And these are only sounds that you're going to hear during September. So, so Lewis, that first week of September, it's a combination of trying to locate during early morning and late evening. The rest of the time, it's, it's uh, cold calling, blind calling scenarios. Uh, Nick, are you going to be on after elk season? Yes, we will continue Wapiti Wednesday's Q&A and videos all throughout. So what about our season here in Utah? Starts this Saturday. Bulls are starting to rub. Some locator calls middle of the night, but nothing else. Would you call it all this early season? If so, which calls would you stick with? You know, actually, Stephen, so... You guys, your guys hunt kind of starts in that time frame where the bulls are actually rubbing the velvet off. Their testosterone is just starting to rise and basically they're establishing their pecking order. So, you know, you will have bugling action. You will have challenges. You will have display bugles because they are establishing that dominance with each other, but they're also starting to round up cows too. So yeah, calling is really effective. The tough part with you guys when it starts, it's so warm that your activity is really, really limited. So you have to be right there at first light on these bulls to take advantage of that before they bed down. Thing I would recommend to you is definitely do the night calling approach or get on elevated positions at night because they're more apt to bugle and sound off at night than they are during the heat of the day. You locate them at night, then you know exactly where the bulls are the next morning. Because if you're hearing them bugle at night, they're bugling from their feeding area. They're going to be there in the morning. So then you just have to get the wind right, get in close so that you can put the pressure on that bull and uh, work into the calling. Lewis, I'm not really cow caller much that early. So... Sorry, that was supposed to say not much of a cow caller. Wondered if I should try more cows that early in the season. Lewis, it's actually, it's it's kind of that mixture. Um, you know, really honestly, cow sounds. Ah. 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 
And that's basically it for the sequence. Then I'm going to add in kind of some cow vocalizations. And that's kind of the sequence that we go through. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. What do you have on that bugle tube? Oh, Pat right here. This is a tube tamer. Uh, this tube tamer is made by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. What it does, it just kind of deadens the sound of the plastic tube. Uh, up the bull with a challenge call when you identify a challenge call. Vincent, yes. If I have the ability, if I'm ready and I hear that he's challenging me and I have the ability to cut him off, you bet. Because that's being on the offense. You're 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 the offense. You're showing that you're the more dominant bull, and you're kind of controlling that situation. What would you recommend for early season Colorado bulls? Everyone is telling me not to use my bugle. Why not? I mean, they're they're bugling. So the the, the really the key thing with that, Stephen, is most people out there think a cow call is a cow call and a bugle is a bugle. They don't understand the difference in them. They don't understand that they have different meanings. So, you know, they may be going out there and they may have, maybe they maybe have a bull that's early season. that's just doing some locate bugles, trying to locate and they're responding with aggressive challenge bugles. Okay. That bull's just going to turn and walk, walk away. He's not in that mindset. You want to know what that's like? Walk down the street tomorrow and challenge every guy that you meet to a fight. See how many turn and walk away or try to avoid you. I mean, eventually, you're going to find the guy that's having a really bad day and he's going to accept your challenge and the fight's on. But my point is that that early season, not every bull is in that mode to fight. And these guys have probably answered them with aggressive type bugles. That bull's not in the mindset. So he just shuts up and goes the other way. So they immediately think bugling doesn't work. I'm not going to do it in my area. It's because they don't understand the vocalizations and they don't understand passive versus aggressive calls. And they don't understand offensive versus, you know, offensive versus defensive. So. I uh, just picked up the scary calf call. Very different sound. Yeah, it's a lot higher pitched. So Matt Lux, love Wapiti Wednesday. Thanks, buddy. Bernie, perfect advice. Okay, Ty, I've never hunted during the middle of the day. What's the best way when they are bedded down? Okay, Ty, that's one thing. I don't hunt bedding areas, meaning I don't go into the bedding areas. But I do hunt the fringes. And this is one of those things that, okay, understanding the elk, their behavior, their biology, you know, do they bed down at 8.30 in the morning and stay in that bed until 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night? Absolutely not. They're going to lay down, they're going to sleep for a little bit, then they're going to get up and they're going to mill around that area. They're going to feed, maybe get a drink of water. Uh, if it's later in the season, that bull is going to be checking on his cows. So, you know, they get up during the middle of the day and move around. They may not bugle. They may not be very vocal, especially the first part of the season. But that doesn't mean that they're not getting up and moving around. So you can hunt the fringes, meaning you can be on the edge, maybe a couple of a couple of hundred yards from that bedding area. And you can do this blind calling scenario with the breeding sequence that we talked earlier. Now, that bull may not bugle at you. He may not make any sounds, but they're curious. He's going to want to come over and check it out. They recognize that breeding sequence, guys. It only happens during September. 
those sounds with the bulls and stuff only happen. They recognize it. They know what it represents. And when a bull hears that, he's thinking, I want to go scent check that cow. I want to make sure that there's a, a hot cow because you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm a bigger, more mature bull than what's over there. And I can take her away from that other bull. And then I'm the one that breeds her. So, okay. Stephen James, excellent advice. That's why I come. <laughs> Appreciate that, Stephen. So, all right, Alex, how aggressive would you get mid-September of trying to pull bulls off private ground that have quite a few cows? There's usually 45 or four to five herds out running in the meadow with satellites around. We can get responses, but seeing the big boys know exactly where that fence is. Okay, Alex, the first thing, the first hurdle that you have is trying to pull a herd bull away from his cows, which is extremely tough during middle of September and on, especially if there's cows starting to come into cycle. You're not going to be able to do it, especially if they're far enough out in that that public ground that you can't get in close. Because the only way you're ever really going to pull a herd bull away from cows is if you can get in close and you are no longer calling to the bull, you're basically calling to his cows. You're trying to get his cows to come over to you, which he's not going to take very kindly. But unfortunately, you have to be close enough to that group that he feels you're a threat. And his only option, because you're so close, he doesn't have the option to round up the cows in flight. His only option is to come fight and run you off. So depending on how far in to that private ground they are, you, you, you might be trying to ice skate uphill on that one, buddy. I'm sorry. I, I don't have a, a, a magical, you know, situation for that because you have to be close. You have to be close in that situation. So the best thing to do is if you know, if you watch them and you know they're coming off that private at all onto the public, really try to establish their pattern. When are they coming off that private? When are they going back onto the private? And try to catch them in that travel corridor while you're on the public ground. And, and that might be your best option right there. So, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people that know that there's those big herd bulls on that private ground. And there's probably all kinds of people that just sit on the outside edge trying to suck them off. Now you might be able to set up and do this breeding sequence and pull one of those satellites off, but the chance of pulling the herd bull is going to be really, really tough. So Tony Walker, how you doing? Okay. Pat O'Brien, have you ever hunted Idaho unit 17? From what I hear, they are not vocal. Do you know if this is true? Um, No, I have not hunted 17 exactly. Um, I've hunted up near it. Um, you know, we, we got into, you know, vocal bulls um, up around Elk City one year when I hunted up around there. Um, but 17, I don't have a lot of information. Um, the thing is, you know, not very vocal. You know, those, those elk in 17 may be a lot like Roosevelt elk 
in Oregon. It's not that they're not vocal. It's that they may be in such thick stuff that you have to be within 75 yards, 100 yards to be able to hear them being vocal. So, I mean, elk or elk, they're going to be vocal. Bulls are going to respond to cows coming into estrus. They're going to bugle. It's, it's just part of the rut cycle. It's part of the elk biology. It's part of what's ingrained in them. So now they may not be vocal, that vocal during the day, but at nighttime when everybody else is back in camp, they may be having a heyday out there and screaming their heads off. That's where night locating listening hey man there's a couple of bulls screaming in that draw right there you go back in there the next day you set up do this breeding sequence blind calling scenario they may not bugle back but they'll come in silent you know what if a bull comes in silent and i'm able to uh get an arrow in him punch my tag i'm not going to be too upset that he didn't come screaming so that's okay uh, I'll settle with a satellite bull. I'm sure some are decent size. They just happen to get their butt kicked by the herd bull. Absolutely. Um, you know, my rule when I approach is, is from opening morning, my rule is five point or better. So five points typically usually aren't herd bulls. Some areas they are, but you know, usually a five point is a fairly mature bull. But the thing is, is even though I have that mentality, I'm going for a five point. If we get in a setup and something really unique happens, something original happens, I'm going to go ahead and stick that bull when he comes in because I want to remember that. I want to remember that u- uniqueness. I want to remember, man, that was really, really cool. And every time I look up at the, you know, that, that rack, I, I'm just going to remember that. You know, the other thing I touched on this last week, guys, if that bull's coming in, and your heart's pounding, your pulse is elevated, that bull's big enough. If he's big enough to elevate your heart rate, if he's big enough to to get your heart pounding, he's big enough. That's a trophy. Be proud of that. So, Nick, do you have any videos? Um, Yeah, actually over on our YouTube channel, Nick, we actually have quite a few videos on there with call reviews, gear reviews, Beginner's Guide to Elk Calling, Tips, Tactics, and we actually um, just signed an agreement with Carbon TV and Exclusivity. So we uh, they're building the channel right now. Hopefully soon, within the next couple of weeks, the first video will go live on Carbon TV. Remember, guys, Carbon TV is free for you guys to sign up and create an account. And there's all kinds of shows on there that you can follow for good entertainment and uh, uh, some great videos to watch. I need to replace my archery laser rangefinder. Any suggestions, uh, Charles? I I really like the Vortex rangefinder, um, and in fact, the new one that they have out actually reads a lot faster um, than the generation I have. But it works really, really well in low low light situation. Um, it's never failed me. Um, the nice thing is angle compensator, so I know exactly what that's telling me. That's <clears throat> that's what I'm, that's what I'm shooting. So, so definitely check out the, uh, the vortex. All right. You guys, you guys are awesome tonight. Love this. Great activity. All right. See what we got over here, Alex. We get them to the fence, but they just run up and down the fence. Thanks for the great tips. They jump onto public till night. And yes, 
true guys line up, but midweek is always our friend. Yeah. So, you know, Alex, in that scenario, you know, they've, they've heard a bunch, they've been called to a bunch, be different. So, and, and the thing is, is, is if, if you guys are realistic in your setups and realistic in your sounds, that's going to set you apart. Because remember, most people out there, just like I said, think a cow call is a cow call and a bugle is a bugle. They do the same thing. They don't do anything different. They don't take the time to, you know, really understand elk, really understand their behavior, really understand their vocalizations. So it's, it's just like if you take a trip to another country that they speak a different language, well, you're probably going to study and learn that language before you go over there so that you can survive, you can fit in. Same thing here with elk, guys. If you take the time and learn their language, you're going to be well ahead of the game because you're going to understand the situations that you're coming up against. Raymond, what would be the best tactic for call shy bulls? Well, Raymond, that kind of goes with what I was I was just talking about. Be realistic in your call shy or, or you know, in, in your call setup. So let, let, let's kind of touch on that, you know, real quick. So what exactly is a call shy bull? Because let's think about this, a call shy bull. Okay, we've heard people, if you bugle in my area, elk just run the other way. Or if you do this in my area, elk just run the other way. My first response to that is then how do they ever gather up? They're a herd animal. How do they ever gather up and how do they breed? Because basically what, what those two comments are telling me that anytime there's an elk sound, whether it's a person or an elk, that all these elk are just running the other way. They would never repopulate. So... Are there bulls that may be timid coming into a call? Yes, but why? Why are they timid? What message are you conveying in your calls? What message are other people conveying in their calls when they're trying to call in these elk? If you understand the vocalizations and you know what you're saying, you recognize what that bull is saying, you recognize his mindset, and you tailor your calling to match his mindset, you're not going to have call shy elk. Now, are they just going to come running in? Maybe not. They may come in all kinds of cautious. So, um, so the best tactic, being as realistic and as, as possible. And I'm not talking about just the quality of sounds that you're doing. I'm talking about the setup, your rhythm, how often you call, what you're saying in the calls, what type of picture are you trying to portray with your calls? What are you trying to tell that elk? And whatever you're set up doing, do, do your calls match your setup? Do your calls match the surrounding? You know, is it a really, really quiet day without any birds chirping, squirrels, any of that, any chatter going on? It's absolutely quiet. And you're just full-blown symphony with calls. No other animals are doing that. They recognize that. They're like, hey, something's not realistic here. Something's not right. Mm. But if you're matching your surroundings, 
you're matching that pace, you're matching what you're hearing, you blend in with everything else around you. So they just think that you're another elk. Gentry, how you doing, bud? Steven, I've been watching so many videos on speaking to the elk that I feel this is going to be an awesome season. You know, Steven, I like your enthusiasm. Mark, is this available on a podcast? Kind of. I did a podcast with On Point with Garrett Weaver where I talked about some of this stuff. Um, so if you haven't listened to that podcast, definitely go over to On Point with Garrett Weaver. Um, listen to it. I do kind of talk about our philosophy, our approach, um, you know, some of the setups and and some of that. So, so Mark, yeah, you can get some of it there. They come off the public at night, midweek, not less hunters. We do satellites, but the herd bulls always run the fence trying to keep the cows in. Yeah, I could see that happening. So, Lucas, Mike, thanks for filling the blanks of my strategy. I don't miss these Wapiti Wednesday videos. Keep them coming. What would it take to get you up to Alberta for a calling seminar? Um, you know, I've actually been up to Canada a few times, Lucas. It's been a few years. Um, and in fact, this year was the first year that I really got back into doing a seminars. If you have an archery shop up there or you have a location, definitely have them get a hold of me. Um, you know, if there's people that want to get together and, you know, as long as my expenses are covered, I have no problem coming up and uh, doing seminars and helping other people out and just talking elk and so Alberta is not, uh, not a bad place to go. So in Montana, rifle season opened today on private land in certain regions. The herds are enormous. So Charles, does that mean you guys have a rifle season that's going before archery season starts? So Pat O'Brien, thanks. Ty, nice. So, um, where was that? Sorry, guys. I'm just scrolling, looking. Like I said, love the questions you guys are putting out tonight. I, I love the interaction. You guys make this, uh, you know, so much, so much fun, and some great questions. I know we're definitely getting uh, getting close to season. Everybody's trying to uh, wrap everything up. Oh, I need to behave, guys. My wife is on, so I need to uh, behave and not get out of hand. So, can't wait for the carbon TV content. Yeah, I know, Lucas. It's coming. It's coming soon. Billy Jones, if it's brown, it's down. Absolutely. Elk with a bow, anything is a trophy. Steven, thanks for tuning in, man. You know, good luck to you guys. Let me know how it's going. Do your videos demonstrate the estrus call sequence? Ty, not really. Um, you know, that's kind of things that I really teach in the private one-on-one -on -one lessons. So, um, you know, a couple of, couple of other things that we are working on. With the Carbon TV, that's really unlocking the opportunity for some sponsors, which in turn is going to allow us to uh, build our website a lot sooner. On that website, we will have the lessons that I teach in the one-on-one -on -one lessons. There will be, uh, you know, it's going to be broken down into a couple of avenues. One, <laughs> I made the comment about my wife, so she went outside and now she's staring at me through the window. So, um, but the lessons are going to be broken down into a couple of ways. So one is you, you're going to be able to pay an annual or, or an annual membership and you're going to have access to the whole entire lesson. And that's elk biology, elk behavior, different phases of the rut, scouting, conditioning, um, you know, 
cow sounds, what they mean, how to do them, bull sounds, what they mean, how to do them, um, you know, hunting strategies out in the field, meat care. Um, I mean, just all kinds of stuff, but we also do have codes that will get you discounts with some of our sponsors and partners. Then for some of you guys, maybe some of you only want to work on cow sounds. We're going to have each individual chapters um, that you'll have access to, um, you know, for 30 days and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so Ty, right now, really the only access to the estrus call sequence and, and kind of the breeding sequence is just through the private one-on-one -on -one lessons, um, which we do either in person, face-to-face -face for people that live in the Boise area, or I use Zoom video conferencing for anybody that lives outside. The cool thing with the Zoom guys, if you're outside the area, you guys get a recorded copy of that session. So, uh, so Charles, yes, man, that's rough. Rifle season, but it's only on private land. So it should not affect the elk on the public land so much. So, and it might actually break up some of those groups on the private and push them onto public. Still having trouble with my chuckle, but I watched your video and it's coming together. Good. Steven, glad the, glad the chuckle video was able to help you. Big thing on that is, um, You, you, you're pacing on that, Stephen. You know, while you're learning. Go slow. Once you get all three parts together, then you can speed it up. Uh, Nick, estrus buzz. Um, you know, Nick, it's actually not really an estrus buzz because uh, they will do that sound year round. So uh, buzz mew selfish buzz, whatever, but you're going to do your normal cow sound and then uh, with your voice. So that's one of them. The other way you can do it is putter your lips. There's a couple of different ways that you can do it. All right. What is your favorite advice for calling strategy for Rocky Mountain elk that mostly stay in small harems? And will they still night bugle in small harems? Bill, I had your question written down and I was definitely going to cover it, but thanks for jumping in tonight and asking. So, so mostly stay in small groups. You're, you're talking, a, you, you know, you're talking a, a, a bull with maybe only three or four cows, you know, smaller groups is not the great big groups. Absolutely. <coughs> My strategy is still the same with them. It's still a bull. I'm still going to take the same approach depending on the season, whether I'm doing a blind calling setup or I'm targeting to where I'm locating and then, you know, setting up on them they will definitely bugle at night. Now, the thing with the smaller groups, especially if they're off by themselves, meaning that bull has no competition, he's probably not going to bugle as much because he's not really having to compete against other bulls for those cows. But as soon as a cow comes into estrus, you bet he's going to light up and he's going to go. Now, if he only has three or four cows, the number of days that he really deals with estrus and gets lit up 
is going to be kind of fewer than if you have, you know, bigger herd with a bull that has, you know, 10 to 12 cows and you have, you know, three or four different groups that are in close proximity to each other. Cause when they're in close proximity like that, as soon as a cow in one group comes in cycle, and that bull starts lighting up, that's going to filter over to the next group and the next group and the next group. And all those groups are going to light up and get excited. But yeah, they'll still do the same redding and lighting up and all that. Awesome. Thanks. I'll see what I can spool up. Okay. Perfect. Andy, I will cover expenses. If you want to give me a lesson, say September 15th to 30th. Yeah, but unfortunately, Andy, that would be considered illegal outfitting in the state of Idaho, and I would get into trouble in a hurry. All right. Um, that's exactly what I'm doing. You make it sound so effortless. Stephen, I've been calling on a diaphragm for quite a few years, so keep at it, man. You will definitely get there. Dimitri, what diaphragm was that? So the count, the sounds I was just doing is the, uh, I was using the green amp from Phelps Game Calls. Uh, I tell all new hunters, I came across to check out your videos. Appreciate that. So yeah, I love it when you guys share and send new people. Ty, do you ever come to Boise done on archery? Not sure where you live. Ty, actually, I live in Boise. So, oh, sweet. You are in Boise. Yes. So. Hello from Meridian. Hey, Brady. All right, here we go. I had a stubborn bull that would not leave his cows last year. I tried challenge calling with no success. Any advice? Ryan, my question to you is how far were you from him? Because remember, when a bull has cows, he's only going to go so far away. So if you're out 150 yards trying to pull him, the chance of him leaving his cows to take care of you and run you off and then go back is pretty slim because he's leaving his cows pretty vulnerable and unprotected for that long. And especially if he has a cow that's starting to come into estrus, it's going to be really, really tough. Best advice I can give you is try to get in as close as possible as you can. And instead of challenging him, start calling to his cows. So Ryan, 80 yards. Okay. So you were definitely close enough if you could get even maybe a little bit closer, but on this one, instead of challenging him, because when really, when you're trying to pull a herd bull away from his cows, you're not really calling to the bull. You're calling to the cows. So, um, it's the best piece of advice I can give you. Um, so, you know, your calls are going to be your lip ball bugles, your roundup bugles, you know, those, those sounds that bulls will make that are specifically targeted for cows. And he is really, really going to take offense that you're trying to pull his cows away. So do you shop at Sportsman's Warehouse? Which one? I have been into Sportsman's Warehouse here in Meridian for quite a few times. Um, and even the one over in Caldwell from time to time. But yes, I do go into Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, what is a comfortable shot for you yardage wise? Um, <laughs> guys, I got into archery to get as close as possible. So um, my average shot on all the bulls that I've taken is about 22 yards. So, um, but if it comes down to it that, you know, I have to take a 40-yard shot 
I will. I, I mean, I'm comfortable. I do practice 60, 70 yard shots. I won't take those on an elk because so much can happen at those longer distances. The, the speed that I'm losing on the arrow, the kinetic energy that I'm losing, you know, that animal could take a step. There's far too many things. So if 70 yards is as close as he's going to come and hang up, then basically I'm going to go quiet, let him move out. And then I'm going to reposition, re-engage so that I can get that close shot. I'll tell you what, you take a shot at six yards, four yards, it's intense. So way more intense than a 40, 45 or 50 yard shot. I'm not saying shouldn't take long shots. If you have, if, if you have confidence in it, if you understand your equipment, you know how your equipment before, performs and you can execute that shot, then by all means, do it. My personal preference, I generally won't shoot past 45 yards on an elk. So that's just my my, my t- personal preference. Can you demonstrate a roundup call? <laughs> So that's basically a roundup bugle. Uh, At one point, my target bull left his cows and ran like 300 yards away and started bugling. Lucas, it could have been that there was maybe another bull on the other side that you didn't hear, didn't know about. And he was basically, you know, running to take care of that. But interesting that he went 300 yards. That's quite a ways to go. How would you start your calling opening week in Washington? I haven't heard any bugling yet in the area I hunt. Uh, Benito, are you only out there during the day? Have you been out there at night on elevated positions? Um, you, you might hear bugles at night, but, but basically uh, opening week, uh, the very first little bit of light, I'm going to be kind of you know locating from different points until I get to a, a good point that I'm going to set up and do a blind calling routine, just like we talked about, you know, earlier in this video. So, okay. I'm the archery manager in Colorado Springs. Come see when you can. Steven, that's just a little bit of trip from Boise to Colorado Springs, but definitely if I'm over in that area ever, I definitely will stop in. What website do you go to for info about weather, like finding out what last winter, spring, summer was normal or colder, et cetera, plus prediction on upcoming winter? Ryan, great great question. So I use Weather Underground a lot um, for current weather, 10-day forecast, um, you know, looking out through the end of the month. Um, you know, other, you, you know, if, if I want to know prediction for upcoming winter, Farmer's Almanac is a good one. Uh, another thing, you can just do a Google search and type in winter prediction 2018 and 2019. You can find all kinds of sites. Thing I recommend if you do that, read three or four sites. Try to find common ground kind of between those. So, all right, let's hear that roundup bugle. 45 is my cutoff. Just me. My friend drew a unit tag here in Colorado. I'm going to tag along and call for him. Took 26 years to call a tag. Should I stick to my normal calling routine? So, you know, Luke, that's kind of a tricky one. If your normal calling routine has provided success in the past, absolutely stay with it. This close to the season, you don't want to start changing things up and, and, and learning, even though I'm still doing quite a few lessons and stuff. Um, 
but it, if your old, if your normal calling routine is producing success, by all means, stay with it. Then during the off season, if you kind of want to expand and you want to learn more vocalizations, you want to learn more opportunities, um, you know, by all means, knowledge, knowledge is power and, and knowledge leads to success. So Dimitri took my first bullet four yards, definitely intense. That's awesome. So that makes me feel more comfortable where I'm at. I tried. So that is cool. Yeah. Four yard Dimitri. I bet your heart was pounding just a little bit on that one. So. All right. So dang, look at that guys. We've already been 51 minutes. So we'll kind of start wrapping up. If you guys have kind of some, uh, um, you know, more questions kind of throw them in. So upcoming Friday night's video guys is the 2018 grunt tube challenge. It will go live on YouTube at 6 PM mountain standard time this year. I have seven tubes in the challenge. For those of you that aren't familiar with the grunt tube challenge is I took these seven tubes. I got off camera and I do about four or five different bugles on each one then you guys listen to each one and then you vote for which one you think sounds the best. It's done primarily on sound. And in fact, if you watch the video, definitely listen through headphones or if it's on your phone, run it through the stereo of your vehicle or on a computer with speakers. That's really the only way to hear some of the subtle differences between these tubes, but that will go live on Friday. I will let it run for a couple of weeks and then tally up all the votes and then we will do a follow-up video on that. So, okay. Uh, you guys pumped in a bunch of questions here. Michael, would you switch to a younger bull when he hangs up? No. Because if that bull hangs up, okay, so let's say I've been doing an aggressive dominant bull and he's been coming. Okay. Obviously it's not the bull sound that I'm doing. That's making him hang up. I need to figure out why he's hanging up and it could be a few different factors. Maybe he was coming for a ways and then all of a sudden he hit a wall of brush or he hit a Creek crossing or he hit an open meadow or he hit a blowdown patch. Something caused him to hang up. So especially since he was engaged, he was coming, I'm not going to switch and change things because he was already into my calling. He was already responding and he was on his way. What I need to do is go quiet and then I need to move up and figure out why he hung up. It could be something with the setup and it could be something in between you and him that you didn't realize that was there. Then you need to get past that obstacle and then re-engage that bull and go over again. So, no, not at all. It happened way too fast, but that experience and others is what has me hooked on archery. Learned a ton from you, Phelps, Haynes, Jacobson, and all you guys out here sharing. That is awesome. You know, and Dimitri, it's stuff like that that, that I really, really love to hear. Um, you know, knowing that I was able to, you know, help somebody and contribute to your success. I actually get way more enjoyment out of that than filling my own tag. Until I sit down at the dinner table, then I kind of enjoy you know, filling my tag. So 
absolute things. Just didn't know if the elk would react differently in a unit with lower hunting pressure. No, it's not that they're going to react differently. You might actually get a lot more responses, um, you know, a lot more bulls coming in. So um, that's a nice thing. If you do get into areas with lower hunting pressure, um, you, you definitely get, you know, a lot more um, interaction, you know, from the elk. So, but, you know, guys, I, I hunt public land here in Idaho. I hunt public land that is heavily pressured. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of times that we'll bump into people and they'll be like, man, we haven't heard an elk. We haven't seen an elk. And, you, you know, we're in elk every day. But there's, there's certain things that we do, like the night bugling, bugling to locate so that we know where they're at, so that we're going into areas that we know that there's elk every single day. It's not like we're running around trying to find and, and locate and start from scratch. Oh, which side of the Cascades is Benito hunting east or west? Hey, Mike, Bo Gangster here. Eldon Williams, how you doing, bud? Are you going to have the real tube? Um, Jairus, I don't know. Um, when I did the cow call challenge, he actually offered to send me, um, you know, his cow call. Um, but I, yeah, I did see the tube and honestly, I am considering getting it just because where, you know, we do so many reviews of, of calls to help you guys out. If you guys want me to get the real tube and do a review on it, I most certainly will. So I'll, I'll get the tube and get the cow call and, and uh, do a video review on it so you guys can, uh, can definitely see about it. Because I know there are people out there that there's some people that can't use diaphragms. So their only option is external reed bugles. And who knows, maybe that real tube is, is a decent option for somebody. So. Do you rake trees and use decoys in your setups? Alex, yes, I do actually rake trees. Raking is, is um, you know, really an integral part of that breeding sequence. And yes, I will use decoys. Um, and in fact, this weekend I'm filming a decoy video for the beginner's guide to elk calling over on Carbon TV. You guys are going to want to check it out. There's some uh, pretty cool things that we're going to be doing with decoys in there. Uh, same here. Finally learned how to call last year with diaphragm and had more enjoyment calling elk for my buddies. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely appreciate it. Steven counting the days. Yes. The countdown. And in fact, my countdown starts as soon as the season ends. Would you recommend using elk sense during the rut? You know, Ryan, I used to use a lot of elk sense. I used to be a big proponent and used a lot of, um, you know, the elk fire, you know, some of those, some of those spray. The only thing is, is a lot of states are starting to outlaw the liquid cow urine for a tractor sense because they're, they're learning that CWD chronic wasting disease is, is actually getting across state lines in some of this urine. So they're starting to um, kind of go away. I have used the gels in the past also, um, but one of the ones that I really like is hot on the trail sense. It looks like a deodorant stick. It's a solid, um, really good smell. It doesn't, 
it's just a steady smell. It doesn't come off really, really strong. And then, you know, kind of, kind of fade away. It's, it's a, it's a great product. In fact, Mark is supposed to be sending me some. So uh, that way I have it for the season, but also I can do a video on it for you guys too, to introduce you to it and show you exactly how I use it. Uh, thank you, Michael, for all the good advice, Robert. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in and supporting us, Jim. Same thing. Thanks for supporting us, man. I love it. Love the videos. How much are lessons? So typically lessons are $30, $30 per lesson and lessons last about an hour to an hour and 10 minutes. But a lot of times I'll run specials that I'll offer a four pack for hundred bucks. So you get them for uh, $25, you know, per lesson at that one, if you book for it, for it once. But like I said, it's, it's not just calling, it's, it's like I said, it's elk biology, it's elk behavior, it's understanding their mindset throughout the different phases of the rut, you know, what they do throughout all throughout the year, um, you know, setups. And, and actually, I show you exactly what I do out in the field. I show you the sounds that I do and how I respond to different setups and different scenarios and different responses and, and basically everything that... I mean, biggest thing that I'm trying to do with the lessons, guys, and, and with all this is my main intent is to shorten your learning curve so that you can find success faster in the elk woods. Okay. I've been at this for 30 years. When I started back in 1988, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have outdoor TV. We didn't have any of that. We barely had VHS tapes with the Primo's Truth series, really, when I first really got started. So really, it was just going out and learning in the field. But the one thing I did was I took a spiral ring notebook and I wrote down every day what happened, what the temperature was, what the weather was, what elk activity I saw, what I did, how they responded to what I did. Guys, if you do that and read that, you will gain so much knowledge so much faster. But with the lessons and everything that I'm doing here, guys, I'm trying to, like I said, shorten that learning curve and, and help you guys find success faster. Uh, we are getting lots of smoke in the area. I hunt from the wildfires. Will smoke affect elk becoming vocal? Not at all. Nope. Um, and in fact, I've, I've hunted sometimes where, you know, cause cold air settles, you know, there's, there's times where that cold air will trap that smoke into, you know, valleys and draws and, and all that, and it'll be thick in there. And, you know, we've, we've gotten in the middle of screaming bulls right in the middle of that. And then as the, you know, the temperature starts rising and the thermal start going up, that smoke lifts out of the valley. But as long as the smoke is not so thick that it, if it starts affecting your lungs, if it starts affecting your eyes, get out of there. That's harmful to you. But if you can tolerate it, no, it's it's not really going to uh, affect their vocalizations. So awesome job tonight as always. Bernie, appreciate it, brother. You said do locations in early part of the season at night. They be more active at night. Maximilian, yes. Um, elk typically are a lot more active at night than they will be during the day, especially during that first part of the season because the night's cooler. Um, you know, the heat of the day, 
they really, you know, they're built for cold weather. So they have to really maintain and watch their temperature and not get too overheated. So, yeah, um, you guys go out at night. You'll be amazed what you hear. So, you know, I, I guess the biggest question I have for some of you guys is, is sacrificing a little bit of sleep at night or getting up at three in the three o'clock in the morning, but you locate a bull is sacrificing a little bit of sleep worth knowing that you're going into an area where there's elk, where there's a bull, where there's a vocal bull that you have a good chance of calling in. Uh, I'm glad I caught this live session. Great, great info and questions. Yeah, there is. How do you get in touch for lessons? Dimitri, if you actually go over to our Facebook page, um, you could actually just message me there. Uh, then we can kind of start chatting. Uh, lessons typically right now, I still do have a regular daytime job. So lessons right now, I run at 5.15 and 6.30 p.m. mountain time during the week. Um, but since we're so close to season, guys, it's I'm, I'm really, really booked. I do have a few slots, a couple of slots open um, within that first part of September, but not a ton. So if you're wanting you know, like that four pack or something, we might have to wait until after season. So dang it, no Facebook, any other options? Dimitri, email me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at elkcallingacademy.com. And we'll just start uh, emailing back and forth there and we'll see what we can get put together. So, <clears throat> okay. Brady signed me up. Sandy Caster. Sandy, your uh, video is uploading right now. It's a pretty large file. As soon as it uploads, I'll email it over to you. If it doesn't let me email it, I might have to Dropbox that over to you guys. Welcome back, Jack. Listening. Jesse Morris. Jim Rigdon. Lesson is worth the time for sure, guys. So Jim is actually one of our students that has done a couple of lessons with me. Another awesome Wapiti Wednesday for sure. Tons of very useful information. Appreciate that, Jack. Would you rather locate at nighttime prior to bed or hit the trail a couple of hours earlier to locate bugle? So, okay, so this is kind of how I, I night bugle. Okay, I do it one of two ways. So one way is get back to camp at the end of the day because I leave camp in the dark, I come back in the dark. As soon as I get back to camp, I peel my camel off, get into my camp clothes, start boiling water, get dinner ready. As soon as I've eaten dinner, I'm going to go up to an elevated position to where I can listen to multiple canyons, multiple draws. And I'm just going to sit there and listen for a while. Because if I can listen and a bull cracks off on his own, perfect. And I'm not up there to call to him. I'm not up there to mess with him. I am just up there to hear a bull bugle and locate him. Then basically once a bull pipes off, great. I know he's in that canyon. That's where I'm going tomorrow morning. The second way I will do it is maybe I want to branch out into some new country that I haven't hunted. So this nighttime is typically, because um, where my camp is, I have four or five different areas that I hit. So that's typically where I'll go up at night. Listen, go back to camp go to bed, get up the next morning, and I'm heading right for that area where I heard that bull bugle. Now, the second area, maybe I want to go branch out into some other draws. You know, I'm going to go to bed as soon as I'm done eating and back at camp. I'm going to get up at 3, 3.30 in the morning. 
my pack is all ready to go, throw the camo on, jump in the truck, and I'm going to start driving up the road. And I'm going to stop periodically and bugle up into canyons. Again, as soon as I get a response, I'm done. I don't call anymore. I find a spot that's wide enough to where I can park my truck. I get my pack on and I start heading to the direction that that bugle was. I'm not trying to get right up on top of him. I want to be four or 500 yards from him because as soon as it gets light enough, you can cover four or 500 yards really, really quick, especially if that bull continues to bugle. I can keep tabs exactly where he is and adjust where I'm at, keeping the thermals in my favor, gaining elevation on the hillside if I need to, so that as soon as it's light, I'm within striking distance that I can get in close to him, get set up and start working that bull. So Jack, I will, I will do kind of those, those are the two ways that I night bugle. Maximilian, thank your new viewer. You've taught me more in the last three months than I've ever learned. Maximilian, that is awesome. Thank you. That is, that is a huge, huge compliment. So, all right, let's see what else we got. Can't wait for this season. Normally I sit on stands, but this year I have four or five spots picked out to hike and call. I finally got the diaphragm to make a sound and not gag me last summer. Ryan, that is awesome. Called a few times last year but not with much confidence, getting much better now after lots of your bids. Thank you, Ryan. I, I appreciate that. You know, and first off, kudos for you for sitting in stands. I do not have the ability to sit in tree stands. So for you guys that can actually get in a tree stand and sit there for a long time, I have a lot of respect for you guys. I just, I can't do it. Um, every time I try, like I said in, in past videos, I just know there's a bull up on the backside of that ridge bugling and, and I just, I, I have to get out of that stand and go see it. So what do you eat? Oh yes, yes, yes. There was another one. Uh, Vincent, any good cheap meal plans? What do you eat when on a hunt? So <clears throat> um, I was actually going to cover this next Wednesday because I have all my food in now. And so I'm going to get my daily food kits put together. So, you know, I, Mountain House Meals, Peak Refuel, O Meals, Heather's Choice, you know, those are some good options for dinners and breakfast. During the midday, I do the Green Belly Meals. And then I also have Trail Mix. I have Packaroons from Heather's Choice. Jonathan Alexander pointed out that, yes, I do have Pringles cups. I have Pringles in there. Um, and kind of some different... Um, energy gels. But yeah, this weekend, I'm going to take all those and put them into gallon Ziploc bags to where I have, it's basically called a daily meal kit. And really, you need to calculate how many calories you need because you're spending a lot of calories out there. But these daily meal kits I have, have one of each of those things in there. And so all I have to do when I get back to camp to get my food ready for the next day is just grab one of those and throw them in the pack. But the cool thing is, too, you have that Ziploc bag that all your garbage goes in, too, in your pack and keeps your pack kind of organized. So, Bernie, good night, man. So, thanks for tuning in tonight. Okay, guys, we are going to wrap this up. So, again, appreciate all of you guys tuning in. I am just overwhelmed with the support. You guys are awesome. I wouldn't be here, wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. So like I said, Friday coming up is the 2018 Grunt Tube Challenge. Should go live about 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on our YouTube channel. Hopefully you guys are uh, 
tune in, tuning in, watching that and kind of casting your vote. So as always, guys, keep calling, keep practicing, but most importantly, have fun. We are getting closer and closer with each day. Um, if I don't see you guys next week, wish you all the best of luck. But we will continue to do the Wapiti Wednesdays throughout the season, except for when I'm on my long hunt. And I will probably have some videos pre-recorded and just uploaded for you guys. But anyways, thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. It was absolutely awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. We'll see you guys next week on the next chapter of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A brought to you by Elk Calling Academy. Have a great night, everybody. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.